0: Welcome to Pop Culture Retro, which was recently voted the 15th Best Podcast by the residents of the Golden Years Retirement Community in Boca Raton, Florida. Each show will revisit some of your favorite pop culture memories with insider and outsider perspectives. Now, please help me welcome your hosts, Ike Eisenman and Jonathan Rosen.
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of Pop Culture Retro. I'm one of your hosts, Jonathan Rosen, along with Ike Eisenman. And today we are thrilled to welcome the VP of Creative Development for Sid and Marty Croft Pictures. He was also manager of collections and preservation for the Walt Disney Archives. And he's the author of the great book, Back to the Future Almanac, 1985 to 2015. Please help us welcome Rob Klein. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, how are you? Now, uh, looking over items to talk to you about, there are so many different topics. You've had an incredible career, so we'll jump around a bit. But let's start with your current role as the VP of Creative Development for Sid and Marty Croft. What does that job entail, and how did you get into it? <clears throat> uh,
2: I had met um, <clears throat> Marty about 23 years ago, and I had gotten a hold of a sle stack, uh from the you know 73 74 actually they had auctioned it off and it was like literally like had been like run over by uh you know like a steamroller it was flat and wouldn't move so i was like oh i'm gonna restore this thing and uh long story short i ended up restoring the one the only other suit that the crofts had as well so i think marty was impressed with that and that sort of led to me doing stuff with them today so i have the sleeve stack to (laughs) think
1: oh i love that show so much (laughs) (laughs) well
0: what are you doing with them now
2: well now um i i i basically doing a little bit of everything so um we like it'll be one day like hey you know where's this uh there's this document that might be, you know, Marty will want me to go look for something interesting. <laughs> or the next day it's like, how would how would you do Land of the Lost? You know, that kind of thing. It's like, wow, you know, and you kind of throw out your opinion. So it's it's very different from day to day.
1: <laughs> I, I do have to ask one one question on this topic with the land of the lost here. Okay, we had Sid Croft on before. He was not what a is- fan of the movie. It was Marty?
2: <laughs> was that what, what was that?
1: was we had Sid Croft on. he was not a fan of the movie They're...
2: oh, um as I understand it, uh they were not probably fans of the the way that it performed. It didn't do too well. I don't think I don't think it brought in a lot of money. I think that was probably his biggest disappointment with okay. it, <laughs> really... yeah, because I mean, I mean, not a lot of people liked that movie, and I had actually never seen it when i when Marty hired me, and uh he says, what would you think of the Will Ferrell movie? I said, well, I haven't seen it. He's like, why not? And I said, because I didn't want it to break my heart. <laughs> so I didn't watch the movie, you know, because I knew it was going to be different than the 70s one. And it just wasn't, So mm-hmm. I didn't watch it. He's like, well, you got to see it. So anyway, so I watched it. And I actually thought for what it was, it was exactly what it was. Will Ferrell, Saturday Night Live sketch, two-hour comedy of Land of the Lost. Yeah. Uh, i i have and, uh, i
0: have not seen it i have not seen it uh, either for very much the same reasons you you didn't want to see it <laughs> yeah it,
2: yeah it's not the, the 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 70s show and then the 90s show i'm actually not that familiar with but it was very popular you know i don't know if you remember huh. that
1: i did see that yes
0: i do, i i don't but were, were you a, a croft fan um oh, growing up
2: oh Oh, yeah,' because, I mean yeah. they were you just they were just like anything else. they were literally you know you had Walt Disney's on Sundays, like yeah. with the wonderful with world of Disney, and you're just ingrained with that, and then Saturday yeah. mornings were crofts uh, stuff you're like, oh okay, and you know, very imaginative, and I was very aware of it as a kid, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So so Marty Marty still works regularly. Sid does has no involvement though right now, right? he does exactly.
2: And then uh, uh, Marty comes in every day. You know, he's a force of nature. I mean, you when you can see why the Croft, why they did so much, just because he's just a tenacious. You know, you know, you, you know, when you when you work with people, you get to see that. Oh, this is why he's done so much because he just won't stop. You know, he's got that drive, Mm. you
0: know. I mean, I hope I have half of it um, when I reach (laughs) that that tender age. Um, (laughs) Well, other than the sleaze stag, do you have any other, you know, props or items from the original um, series?
2: Oh, yeah, because they... There were two auctions the Crofts did. Uh, they did one in the late '90s and then one in the early 2000s. And the one from the early 2000s, um, I tried to get. They had like a lot of like they had Wonderbug. The remember, I don't know if you remember that show is the flying puppet. I bought that. Wow. Um, they also had one of the hand puppets from Lad of the Lost of the characters called Big Alice. So there's Grumpy and then there's yes. Big Alice. So there was a close-up <laughs> hand puppet of that. I got it. Um, I'll have to. I could send you guys a photo. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, that. Those are the first two that come to mind. Yeah, but the anything that kind of touched me as a kid, if if I could rescue it and see that it's put in a plexiglass box and it exists, I feel like I'm doing my bit for king and country there. So <laughs> everybody needs to you know Big Alice is safe. She's in a plexi case. <laughs>
1: No. Are the, are the slee stacks just as terrifying now as they were when you were a kid? <laughs> so.
2: No, not as much, you know, but I mean, because once you start, you know, you're getting, you know, to down to the point, it's like, you know, there's eight digits on the spine of the slee stack, not nine, you know, or that kind <laughs> of minutia. You start seeing the the details and you don't really see the bigger picture. What is that story? They say, like, you have to, you can't see the forest through the trees mm. comment, you know, so I don't know what I see anymore.
1: <laughs> well, is there like any any outreach to like to do any any events to the original stars of any of the series at all? Or, you know, do they the crops want them involved in anything? Uh, see,
2: uh, I, you cut out for a second. The question was. Is-
1: is there any like sort of outreach for the uh to the original stars of all these different series to like become involved in events or anything
2: it's so early on in the process, and I don't even know if it's if it's even been officially announced that there's something coming in the future or, or hopefully I mean because it's still you know so much happens and as Ike as you know better than anybody you know things start and stop or it never happens but yeah I mean um that's i don't yeah so who knows sky's the limit i i just hope we get a sleaze stack action figure out of it you know at least (laughs) they've never made one to this day oh Oh, Um, you're kidding yeah it's just it's one of those things you think that there would be and i know that the fans i want one and you know and it just hasn't happened yet you know action figures are a big deal in today's world you know (laughs)
1: Well, I don't just mean Land of the Lost, like any of the other Croft series. Is there any sort of outreach to like, you know, have them involved in a, in Croft events or at all? Uh, yeah, I think a few of them came out
2: to, we did a thing called CroftCon in Orinda, California in last May, kind of just sprang up and Croft got involved to make it an official Event and a lot of the of Marty's alumni came and were out. It was really neat to see everybody, and then some people I had met for the first time at that event as well. For myself, it was pretty great. Um, do you like you like Johnny Whitaker was there, which yeah. Patrick came, uh, oh, Peter? Um, mm, so Chris Knight from the Brady, the Brady Bunch because you know the Crofts did the Brady Bunch variety hour. You
0: know. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, classic television. <laughs> uh, uh, a few more, a few more guests that might. I think uh, Carolyn Ellis, who was a bugaloo, if you remember her. Oh wow! She phoned in from Scotland. I think that's where she's at, uh, living these days. So she's was, she, she on
1: my guest, my wish list for our show. So I'm going to have to reach out at some point.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, well, I, I'm sure we can help put you in touch with.
1: Oh, Carolyn. that would be great. Oh, Appreciate Carolyn that. Ellis. <laughs> the, uh, oh, anyone. Yeah, so, what what do the crafts have on tap? So, they have an anniversary thing coming up.
2: No anniversary <laughs> plan that I know of. Um, you know, there's there's so many little projects that were. You know, the main thing, and, and this is something I'll share uh, that I'm personally working on is that my, at least for me, my main thing is to get like the craft shows out again. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like obviously, there's going to be a craft like channel. But with the way that the the world works, I guess with this is something new to me is like selling shows against. Like if you if you go to like a, a station like CBS, they want the right to sh- kind of show the shows, and it's not as valuable to them if something's on like a uh, like a Tubi or a um, you know Pluto Television because it's streaming. Uh-huh. You know, they want to be kind of an exclusive. So I guess long story short is this hopefully the croft shows will be back up again and then eventually a croft channel where everything lives. I mean, that's oh, that'd be amazing. That, that has to happen. Um, and, and it will, it's just the logistics of that. And I know I've done the, the fun part or the easy part was just making sure that all the master tapes are there. And that I literally like put my hands on each and every one from every series. So I literally not only can say like, Oh yeah, yeah. We'll go and pull them from the vault when it's time because it's like now we can get p- definitively say on our end it's they exist, they're there, they're ready to go. Um, and then now all the paperwork has to happen, <laughs> the legal, <laughs> which is oh, which is so complicated, as you know, with anything you know.
1: So, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. Oh man, absolutely. Oh my god. So I,
0: we obviously now really want to talk to you about your time with the disney archives um that was where you and i first met back in 2009 um and because i was in town for the premiere of race to Witch mountain and every time i go to la i visit the studio because i have to tell you (laughs) of course it's my home away from home it's my favorite place on the planet and the archives has a special place in my heart because i met dave smith at a very early age and he was so as anyone who met him and had a chance to meet him knows, he was such a wonderful, generous, kind man with all kinds of incre- incredible information in his head. Um, how did you get involved
2: uh, with that? The archives, how like like the, how I got there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I mean, I tend to be long-winded because I have so much detail so <laughs> i i don't make so i know we want to talk about stuff so i'll try to make the Long, me- long-winded is good no 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 don't hear. worry about it. Tell oh, it, it. it
0: okay i i will i will contribute to your long-windedness because i have a couple um well, stories i, I want to shut in.
2: up and i want to hear what you have to say but I, <laughs> by, the, by the way i know i can do some dave smith i mean he was like hey Ike, i Oh, that was kind of the Dave Smith character. Person. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no, um, they were, okay, some, <laughs> at the time, from my perspective, I was just asked if I'd ever consider uh, applying to go to work for the Disney Archives uh, by a couple people that I knew that knew them. And, and I guess at the time it was just, oh, yeah, oh. Well, I had never, I mean, that'd be awesome. You know, just didn't think about ever doing that. Turns out from the Disney side, which I found later um, the prop and the wardrobe department were going to close sadly. Mm. And they wanted somebody that could come in and look through all that stuff that had a good eye for things and help pull out the history. And also they needed somebody that could also fix things and, and I guess that the, they had been asking around and my name had come up like, oh, have you ever met Rob Klein? So I got invited to meet uh, uh, a couple of one of the archivists and then they said, oh, you should apply. And then, you know, when I started, you know, I did all that. Then I thought, man, wow, I might have a chance to go to work for the Walt Disney Company. So then it started really sinking in. And then I became like very neurotic and like, oh, my God, I got to find out. And then luckily, uh, they said, oh, we, we would hire you. And then it was magical. So che, it was like the high point of my life, getting that position to do that. So that was <laughs> that was my way in. And then one of the great things was meeting you that day. so i mean i mean i'm usually not that kind i usually like if i see somebody and i don't really know them i usually don't say anything because i'd rather be introduced to somebody
1: sure oh sure
2: yeah you know know, because you never know when like Hey, excuse me, why are you bothering me? You know, or something like that. Like, oh, you know. You know, but on that day I saw you and I said, Oh, I had to say hello. So I'm glad that- And man,
0: believe me, it was it was it was fantastic for me mm-hmm. because you brought out um the the original miniature rv that was used for the for the special effects flying sequences and i had never seen it and i was just blown away it was like it was just incredible to get a chance to see that um and i'm going to share right now my um my major my major little collectible that i that i kept that dave smith (laughs) oh yeah um begged me for oh yeah more than once oh and he said if yeah if you ever he just kept saying if you ever want to you know give the harmonica to a really good home we have a place in the case right here for because they had tia's star case in there dave dave had that on display for uh, quite a long time in that front little uh room that originally was kind of the bulk of what they had on display and i just thought you know man i don't know this is pretty special to me i think i'm gonna i'm gonna hang on to it so
2: <laughs> good for you now the yeah. story case, uh I'm. I love race. I, I love. Uh, I actually said race to Witch Mountain. That's the new one. Escape yeah. to Witch Mountain. Yours. Uh, I mean, those are big parts of my childhood. Just like with Prof. So I mean, mm. when I got to the archives, um, I think the the mini Winnie, as it's called, was in. <laughs> yeah. Florida. And huh. beca- and and what had happened was at some point. <laughs> When Planet Hollywood came kind of up and the, the Hollywood studios was being built, um, Burbank, the, the Walt Disney Studios, you know, the originals were kind of like, oh, well, let's send all a lot of our assets to the Florida park. And that's how like the mini Winnie went out there. And I think that may have been why the star case, I never saw it in the archives. I had heard mm. it if it had it just like that but it and i had access to everything and as a fan i would have loved to. i would have pulled it out and well had to look at it you know let's see the star case i never seen it so that's i wonder if it i hope it's still around stuff does go missing by the way but you oh, know
1: that's what we wanted to ask you about because, like, I always pictured like this vast warehouse, like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, with section after section of crates, and you know nobody knows what's in it. Ike said it wasn't like that. He told me, but you found like over six thousand items that had been thought lost, yeah. were lost, or sold off. So, what are some of the things that you found? And and just, oh, yeah. how, did that, how does that happen to begin with that they lose their own, you know, items? Well, they just because it's just
2: what the studios do, and this does not to to make Disney sound unprofessional or bad. But if it's in the property department, it's there to be rented. It becomes the asset is a, it becomes a rentable. This is to generate money. the The historical value of it is is ceases to be of any consequence at that point. I mean. It's, people in the prop department may know, oh, that was made for this movie, but really it, it's irrelevant any longer. And, 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 the, and the thing is people go, oh, well the really cool stuff is put behind lock and Keith's like, mm, not, not, not necessarily, you know? So that's, that's why an archives department is so important at studios is to have the experts that say, look, you know, there's no world where we need to rent Mary Poppins hat again and that's what they were doing because the wardrobe you know the archives had one to be fair but there was another one that we found in the wardrobe department that was just being rented and it's like you know you know and you're not blaming the people that work in the wardrobe department they're lovely people but that's not what their thing is their expertise they could tell you all about what kind of a hat it is or how it's constructed but historical nature is may or may not be they may may or not be aware of that you know yeah so we find that kind of stuff i mean i use that as the probably the, the creme de la creme of we found mary poppins hat and then there's like stuff from like you know lesser movies but it's like um i mean and that's not to pick on anything but you know there could be something real obscure movie that no one ever so i'm trying to think of an example um but i mean you know
1: I'll, I'll say one of our dinosaurs is missing. I
2: like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was an English production, so we. Had, I don't. That's a whole other story. You you want a Star Wars connection to that? See, we're going to go off on a side road. Do you know <laughs> that the, um, the one of our dinosaurs is missing? It's like a brontosaurus skeleton. It's kind of an iconic image from mm-hmm. that. So, the skeleton was used in Star Wars as the crate Dragon, if you know the film well, where wow. d is mean, in the desert and you see this, this crazy skeleton behind him on the sand dune. It's, yeah. No, that's the one of our dinosaurs is missing. Oh my gosh. No. That they reuse for Star Wars. Isn't that nuts? Oh
0: my God. That <laughs> yeah, I mean, does... talk
2: about like Disney's got their hands and everything. You can't tape <laughs> it. amazing. God. Well, you
0: know there's i don't i'm i had a very interesting experience um with you know kind of that that lack of attention to the history of the studio in the sense that um when I was shooting Witch Mountain there or I actually came to do my a d r and re record you know do my a d r recording on b stage um there was this little room, the storage room behind b stage. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but it housed all of the original hand-made sound effects machines that they used going back to the Silly Symphonies and all the cartoons. Wow. And so I got I got to go in there and touch and play and do all of this. And I was absolutely overwhelmed by it. And I ended up telling this story to... um the um, the sound engineer, Doc Kane is his name. He is still on B-Stage to this day. He's been there for decades. Wow. And he was hired by Disney to come in and redesign the sound stage for, you know, modern recording and all of that stuff. And um, this was at the time when Eisner um, had taken over the studio. And apparently this memo had gone out about how he wanted to streamline the studio, get things more contemporary. And the note was, all the old stuff must go. And so apparently, this room was considered a bunch of old stuff. And Doc came to the studio one morning and there was a dumpster out front and they had these people who didn't know what they were dealing with had thrown out half of those machines and Mm -hmm. Doc managed to get them to stop and take whatever had survived and wasn't busted and broken and sent. And I don't know if you are aware of those things or if you had them or saw any of them, but they were extraordinary. They were really extraordinary artifacts uh, from the studio. So, you know, I get that's a de- definitely a firsthand story about how, you know, if you don't know what you have, it's just junk and there's no one knows what to do with it. So I, I found that particularly fascinating.
2: Well, I can t- I can address that and tell you what exactly the reason why, uh, and and not this isn't to be big headed or this wasn't to like say oh I was part of the greatest era of the archives, but I'm I'm telling you, other than when Dave Smith started it in 1970, uh, was hired by Roy Disney. His first task was to save Walt's offices, and yeah. that was like his first archiving gig, and then they went to. was a great history just with those and then all the years later when i was there because the prop department and the wardrobe department was closing see the reason they had the ability to do this is there was a vice president who was put in charge of the archives he had many different uh responsibilities but the archives fell under one and this vp got Mm -hmm. the history so he immediately went hire more people this is a serious time you know um we're going to get warehouse space. We're going to save this stuff. We're going to, we're going to, that's when they started D23. Mm-hmm. If you remember, that's like, you know, they started the magazine. That was all because they had one VP who was way up there, had access to Iger, And, and Eiger also was a fan of the history. And that's why they allowed the archives to kind of grow. And they had these little archives, TV shows and a lot of talk with them. know you know it just was a great era because they gave them the funding and the archive to do it and i'm not saying they pulled funding or anything later but of course that vp is no longer there and then now it's like the focus is not really there to be aggressive and spend the money to go around to florida and grab the assets and spend time on the you know what i mean so they and you know, but they don't really need it as much now because they kind of regathered everything that was still at the company, and and now it's all safe. But yeah. stuff like the sound effects, may they, they, yeah, I never heard those were 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 saved.
0: Oh wow, it's tra- yeah, it's yeah. really I mean, tragic because, I mean, you know, it's it's like I can picture it in my head. I can practically draw some of them for you because they were, they were all you know, arranged and organized on these shelves and had numbers and, you know, a designation of what kind of sound they made. And the the, the guys would just go grab one, take it in the studio, make their little sound they needed and put it back. And they were just, they were absolutely amazing. So it's it's, that's a real shame, but, you know. um, Well,
2: Dave Smith, and God bless him, I mean, literally had limited resources. Like he would go, I'm going to take this. And he'd take like one example, but he couldn't save it all. And that's, yeah. again, cause there was there was space issues and, you know, you have every piece you have to, you know, archive correctly. You know what I mean? So um, you can understand, he didn't, he was a small staff and he did what he could, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's not, hey Dave, how come he didn't save the entire, uh, you know, carousel from Mary Poppins? I mean, he couldn't have pulled, you know, couldn't have done yeah. it. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. you'd have to have someone else helping, you know, so.
0: Well what were some of the some of the earliest or the oldest props in the collection?
2: In the archives like that yeah. I had nothing to do with. Of course, they yeah. were just there. Oh, yeah. Oh, amazing. Like um uh camera Walt Disney owned, or um, you know uh like the first Mickey and Minnie handmade um stuffed or plush. If you uh, they're called sharp made by a uh someone named charlotte clark you know it's the ones you see walt with
1: wow. uh, there's
2: a, a a mickey engineer that you see walt riding the disneyland train with a few times like, like on the wow. round opening day and like the mickey's wave that's in the archives you know so everything to from like there's there's stuff like there's casts of walt's hands at wow. some point they did that and you, know, you could see his wedding ring and I mean, just just wow. You know, I mean uh my favorite uh, thing I think in the entire collection is Walt's highball glass set from his office. <laughs> with, the, with the literally with the W D uh initials on each one, very elegant. It's just classic, you know.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. Well, thing you may not want to address, answer this but based on what we said you know just a few minutes ago and from what various shows that i've watched the perception is that disney doesn't pay enough respect to their own history and films until they can monetize it somehow so is that an accurate assessment or you don't think that that's the case
2: i, I don't know no i mean oh my god i mean uh I try to always be the the glasses half full, but I mean, you you'd have to really. Disney's having a tough time right now, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's keeping the current, you know. And uh, I'm a Walt person, so it to me, it's like anything Walt taught us, go with that, you know. And I don't necessarily think they're making decisions that Walt would agree with. I would agree hmm. with you. <laughs> and I say that yeah. very politically correct and gently. <laughs> I would like you. Yeah. Um, but let's just. Walt taught us a lot. And there's a lot to be learned from. Say, from his great successes. As well as a couple of his admitted failures. Of what to do. And maybe what not to do. So, I mean, well that's, that's me.
1: to me even kind of the point here. Is that th- there are so many movies. That were beloved by people growing up. And now. You know Disney like only brings out like a certain few again they 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 a lot of like their collection is like you know buried
2: i you know they have that brilliant marketing where they would go every seven years they would reintroduce right. one of like the feature animated classics and they would always show it in the theater and it would like it would be an event even even as time went by and then all of a sudden they were just like, ah nah, forget it you know. Hmm it's like what you know but that's what? i don't know i mean <laughs> yeah i agree I, it's a shame i mean uh the live action stuff in particular really i think doesn't True. get enough attention you know no. there's some wonderful movies Escape. agreed agreed Media, that's you know, well, your opinion now. what's one that's <laughs> been very
1: too long uh, that what's that your opinion what's uh some movies that have been like you know too long ignored, I guess.
2: Oh, well, I mean, I mean, what are the most? Let's we'd have to identify together what do you think are the most like, um, popular Disney movies you think that would is an example? Like, give me if you guys think of
1: one. Well, no, I just look, I mean, I've oh. talked about this with Ike many times. Uh, you, you know, a lot of a lot of movies, like even the one I just mentioned, I and I know why it's not coming out again like one of our dinosaurs is missing but I'm I'm talking about like the attention to previous generations to me Ike is Disney royalty and you know there are many stars he's laughing now but I'm I'm being sincere there are many people who starred in many of the Disney films that are being ignored that should be you know paid attention to they were part of the history of the company and they're not treated as such by the company to me you know in my opinion
2: i mean they barely pay attention to Twenty Thousand leagues leagues under the sea and i would well, that argue- was gonna be
0: that was giving me my example of, <laughs> of, of like one of the great disney <laughs> movies for goodness sake you know and yeah
2: yeah yeah i mean it's just like i mean i don't know they don't even really seem to i mean mary poppins i guess they tried to do again with emily blunt i never saw that how did did how was that did you guys see that one the mary okay. Poppins it's not, not, not
1: the I same i tried <laughs>
0: i tried i uh yeah it just didn't uh it didn't didn't, didn't, didn't draw me in
2: it falls into the category of ooh, sacred territory don't make a sequel can't touch that. yeah you can't make a sequel to it's a wonderful life and you can't make a sequel to you know some movies and i think barry poppins falls into that oh, don't mess with that cat you know what i mean i don't know oh yeah
0: yeah no i mean i i i I completely agree (laughs) yeah they're gonna
2: try they're gonna try and and if it's if it's good then i guess do we win i guess so everybody wins if it's good (laughs) i didn't see it so.
0: so yeah well you mentioned d23 and you were behind that in the expo how did that come about
2: The they the same guy was uh the vp i was referring to he was, you know, his, his his um he spearheaded that I was lucky enough to be able to be in the, the group to and um I remember specifically saying with with D twenty three had been decided, I said, Well, we should do like our Comic Con. I said, We don't Disney could have their own Comic Con. And then the the VP was like, Oh, I've never been to Comic-Con. I'm like, Oh my God. Well, let's go to comic-con and you'll see it and just imagine everything you know as comic-con dc marvel except it's disney's version where it's just theme parks and studios and you know that kind of stuff And so we went and he got it and then they the next year they did the d23 expo it was kind of that simple Ah, yeah. You know? I mean, it was it was kind of like my my little version of the great monorail story, when how that got created. Uh, Bob Gurr, the guy who drew all the Disneyland vehicles, had the monorail sketched out. Walt Disney came in and he said, "Bobby, can you build that?" And Bob Gurr goes, "Yeah, yeah, I think we can." Walt and he goes, "Okay," and then he walks out, and that was the monorail getting greenlit. I mean, it was sixty seconds maybe that's why things were so cool back then because not a lot of people messing up the soup or causing trouble or cutting corners it was just walt disney creative yes i like it go make it great and then we have the monorail you know Mm. (laughs) that's my lesson so that's how the expo very similar just oh this is this would be cool let's do it okay great You know?
1: well, look, I mean, it's created, it's been long lasting. I mean, on Twitter, whenever there's the D23 experts all day long, you know, the latest update, it's constantly now. I mean, I mean you know,
2: uh, that was my favorite thing because then the archives did, at least for the few years that I was still there, did an exhibit every year where we pull out all the uh, cool stuff that we had. That was probably the one time to really see what was in the archives, I think, first. In, in, since the beginning of it from the 70s we even created all right um this was something i was really excited about um all the kim weber furniture which is what the stu- this the this, the architect that made the disney studios also designed the the animation desks and the chairs and the the, the ink and because you know, think about it you couldn't just buy that kind of equipment you know you had to make it if you're an animation student you have to make your animation desk you have to make the cart that you put the paint on for the ink and paint department it's really minutiae but when you start thinking about it like okay oh, yeah i guess you would have to make that but these these pieces of furniture have become very collectible um kind of a very like art deco style but i remember i recreated the exact animator's room down to the linoleum floor and i knew uh i had done right because john lassner saw it and he just, like, just kept looking at the whole thing and didn't care anything uh, about the miniatures and the costumes. It was all about that recreated animator's, you
1: know, hmm.
2: desk at the studio. So it just something for everybody, right? So. Wow.
1: <laughs> well, you're not there anymore, but are you aware no. of some of the things that Disney is planning for the 100th anniversary or no? you have, I have you no
2: know? idea. No idea. <laughs> I, I saw, um, I mean, other than just as a lifelong Disney um you know fan uh maybe not maybe no longer fan after you leave the company it's you've kind of um you, it's just you just you just coexist <laughs> i'll put, put it like that way. there's me and there's disney <laughs> uh but i mean we i've been to disneyland recently but i don't really know what they're doing i i know i know they're having trouble with the star wars franchise if that want to mention that you know
1: (laughs) yeah of course
2: i mean we're all are you guys star wars fans
1: up until the recent movies that's
2: (laughs) my answer the original yeah of
1: course
2: (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's it's, are you a star wars fan i'm like not anymore yeah Yeah, that's my that's my answer yeah Uh, yeah
0: I feel over over oversaturated, and I I I can't. uh, Hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's become its own genre of storytelling. It's it's interesting.
2: (laughs) Like there has to be certain rules though for you because as a member of classic Star Trek uh, legend, is there some sort of a guidebook they give you about what you can and can't say? Because if you're like, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't know if you know where I'm going you know i don't know like are you allowed could you could you be in a star wars if you got cast or would there be some sort of like oh.
0: yeah there's know? no exclusivity especially since they killed me <laughs> okay,
2: okay, 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 i have i have
0: absolutely feel no obligation to the franchise <laughs> other than just <laughs> remembering if- it fondly
2: I wonder if that would be some sort of like paradox break in the timeline if like <laughs> someone like you got cast in star wars like the fans couldn't wait a you know it's like you don't know there would be that'd be a funny uh a funny yeah, you, would, you would have to be killed
1: in it though by the way
2: <laughs> yeah
0: oh probably yeah, yeah for sure well That's um well while you your time there at disney what what sort of uh, what perks did you have because i know f- f- for me one of the great things was i actually for a very long time got free tickets to disneyland and all the coupons that i wanted for rides for a very very long time and of course that eventually ended so were there any things like that, things like that available to you while you were oh, there
2: oh yeah 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 well i we had i think and and i don't i yeah i didn't really know what kind of stuff came with at least with my job i was a corporate employee so they would tell me that's different it's a different thing i don't know. I, I think that was i had a credit card that i could you know charge stuff with and i remember that they were just we don't even want to hear about it unless it's like you know over this amount so that was kind of <laughs> nice and then also we had i had a silk what they called the silver pass which you can get into disneyland um you and like three people anytime and mm-hmm. that's something spe- that's when you can actually go to Disneyland and like hey you want to go to Disneyland today we're Southern Californians great let's go can't do that now it's like reservations and oh right? yeah going a few it, days down the road you know that kind of it's not spot the spontaneity is gone unfortunately but yeah. yeah and then later I ended up uh I always I was like a dual agent for Disney because I had my studio ID and then I had a Disneyland ID, and which was really cool because they were like, go find the, the, the artifacts at the park that we can get for the <laughs> archives. And I was like, oh, OK, let's do this. And then I would be like it'd be like detective work with the uh, the cast members looking for animatronics and they'd be like, uh-huh uh up above i'm not kidding i did this is absolutely true up above uh parts of the caribbean above the grotto Mm -hmm. mr johnson from mission to mars is stashed up there You didn't hear it from me you know that kind of a thing i mean literally it was like how do i get up there and then like i went up there and sure enough mr johnson if you remember mission to mars he was like this the, the the head of mission control he was like stashed up there. I mean, Amazing. so we, that's he came down. I got him for the archive. So, uh, I mean, you can't write this stuff,
1: right? <laughs> no. oh, that's I mean, crazy. it
2: sounds like, oh, that's complete made up nonsense. It's like every bit of it's true, you know?
1: What, what are some of the more obscure Disney props that you own?
2: Well, um, For me, I love the movie, The Black Hole, because that was released in 79. Mm -hmm. Disney, you know, even though they were working on it in the early 70s, it still was like, oh, Star Wars is out. Hurry up and get something sci-fi out. (laughs) That's what got Black Hole on the fast track. But I remember I was doing some stuff at Western Costumes and sort of doing the same thing later that I did with um, Disney, I was helping them pull out the history and I was like, oh, the costumes from Black Hole and they, I was able to buy those. Oh, so nice. that's one of my favorite things. But of course, and then it was neat to see that you know, Disney didn't have them because Western costumes owned them. So that was, it all made sense. So <laughs> it's neat when you wow. kind of put the pieces together. Uh, and that's a whole thing. Uh, we can do a podcast just on disney wardrobe and why something was at disney and why something was never at disney i mean <laughs> it's i mean that we're talking the minutiae there but there's some collectors out there that love that stuff here I don't know. oh so, man yeah well yeah.
0: you also got to tour the lucasfilm archives what on earth was yeah. that like
2: i i worked with a company in the early 90s um that was had a license to make a Star Wars product. And I had got to go up at that particular point, but in in history of Lucasfilm, uh, um, apparently there was a change in, of the guard in the Lucasfilm archives, which went from being very lackadaisical where you see people up there kind of like, like looking at the stuff, holding the stuff to like, when I went up there, it was literally like, Okay. Don't look over there. Like, what do you mean? Like, well, there's props. They didn't even want you looking at the props, much less <laughs> holding the things. I mean, the, the, they, it was a very, very change, big change in that. So I didn't get to see much that day. But when I, later uh, I actually got to go back because I was actually returning George Lucas's captain EO costume to him, <laughs> which is a whole other story. And then that day they were very much more accommodating there because the, it was the Disney. Oh, he's from Disney. So uh, my 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 wife and I were there, and uh, and we looked around, and uh, that was neat. Then then I then we saw everything, and that was a great day. <laughs> I mean, well, I can go into more minutiae of stuff that was funny if you guys care. Like I could tell one quick story with that. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You'll love this. So there was a couple archival boxes that were like in the entryway. And archival boxes, you know, are what they sound like. They keep the manuscript safe and stuff. So they said, oh, you want to see something cool? I'm like, Well, everything's cool. They're like, Well, mm-hmm. look at this. So they lifted up the archival box and it was George Lucas's handwritten manuscript for the Star Wars that was all on like loose leaf paper. <laughs>
1: uh.
2: like written it out in pencil. And obviously I'm like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And I'm like, I'm like, um, they said something like, uh, like, like, oh yeah, you know, this is George's, and I was like, well, isn't this all George's? And they were like, oh well, yes, but this one he keeps in his office, and uh, it was on just some sort of a museum display, and it came back, and they were taking it back to, to his office. Where I was like, wow, that's just crazy. So that oh. was that. Was, that was a neat thing to see. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. Well. <laughs> I want to move on to one thing because you mentioned you mentioned wife. You you and your wife have a lot of association with my favorite film of all time, Back to the Future. Oh yeah, you wrote the coffee table book, One Behind Me: Back to the Future Almanac, with Bob Gale wrote the forward to. How did you get involved with Back to the Future, and how did Bob Gale get involved with you? So
2: uh uh bob gill i had written to him in in college and uh 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 and when i was in film school and i just uh, and he was so cool he sent me back a uh like an exhibit catalog that they had, were doing for back to the future and then he proceeded to give me a bunch of advice on how uh in the in the future, don't ever handwrite a letter. You know, no one's going to take you seriously, and don't do this. And I mean, it just just proceeded to just like rip me a new one, or 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 to be very, you know. And I was like, wow, Bob Gill. I'm like doesn't suffer fools. So later in life, when I met him, I'm like, you know, I learned from that. You know, you have to, you know, say what you say, walk the walk, talk the talk. And uh, we had a mock-up for Back to the Future Almanac, and we showed it to him. And he was looking at it, and he's like, hmm. And he's kind of flipping through it. And then said, well, would you be willing to endorse this? He goes, not only, not only am I going to endorse this, he's like, I'm going to work on this with you. He's like, you got to come to my house and help me look through all my stuff, blah, 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 blah. So that was the beginning. Of it. So I, was, I think that, you know, you just realize, be prepared and take it seriously. And he's been great. So yeah. Man. Honor what do you it. think
0: what do you think it is about the movie that it it's just it remains so beloved and popular to this day? I mean, you know, with new generations constantly loving it.
2: I I've thought a lot about this and um I don't know if I've ever really said this to anybody, but um I think it's cause the heart of the story is about friendship between Doc and Marty and the loyalty there i think that's a special thing because uh i don't know i i i think it's about those two that's the magic for me at least i think
1: Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Mm. and then
2: then when you add the ingredients of smart storytelling and and beautifully designed uh you know the production design is genius and uh you know just it's just eye candy that those that trilogy to me you know um friendship and then you know zemeckis and gail had a lot of talent you know Yeah. It's so smart those scripts you know
1: you, you've been featured in four different back to the future documentaries yeah. including out of time so uh yeah. you know saving the delorean time machine what was that experience like getting to rebuild such an iconic you know car and and movie prop was it like the little kid in you came out again
2: is awesome you know um i had seen that uh, car falling apart for uh firsthand since 90 uh, 85 so because i would be you know i'd do you'd be at universal or work on you uni- work on universal movies and i would be like oh you know you back parking lots where all the deLoreans are and they had several of them at one time you know and you'd go back there and you'd be like, ooh, that one's not looking so good anymore. And like, why don't they do something with these? And nobody cared. You know? It's just they don't. And so all these years later, it was neat to finally be a part of the team that was able to, like, make the car look great. You know? So yeah. it was really far gone. I mean, bad. Wow. Yeah. parts wow. missing. Terrible. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. Yeah. So, but it looks you would know you wouldn't know the difference now. I mean, it's it's at the Peterson Automotive Museum, you know.
0: Mm.
2: Wow. Well, what props?
0: uh, What props do you have from uh, from the films?
2: Back to the Future. I was obsessed with finding because if you're a Star Wars uh, person, not I mean, even though they shot a lot of it in Van Nuys with the special effects, most of it's in England. Because mm-hmm. they shot, you know, Superman, uh, Christopher Fried films, everything's in England. But what Back to the Future was shot, you know, two or three blocks up the street from me. So I was like, okay, the stuff's in town. Um. So anyway, I ended up meeting the property master and he had a good example of everything that he made. And I was able to get a lot of stuff from him. So I have a lot of stuff from the films. I mean, uh, I'm very proud to say. But um, I have a hoverboard. Hmm. Uh, mm. One of the only matched hoverboards. Oh. Um, And, you know, it, you, you, a lot of it's in the book, actually. It, it, I don't really call attention to it, but if there's a prop in the book, it's probably one that I have saved.
1: <laughs>
2: so. huh. Well, Is, do, do you have the cover?
1: Uh, It's behind me, but we're going to post it it
2: on within the interview also. There's a, there's the book, the thing that's behind you, Jonathan, there's a book, there's a dust jacket and the dust jacket comes off. And then it's a, the cover looks like the, the sports almanac kind of. So it's got like, actually anyway, but there's a couple like hidden Mickeys, if you will, (laughs) hidden back to future things on that cover, a couple of the original props are on on the cover as well. So. Thank you for asking about this stuff. I, I again, I I want to start. Uh, we got to start talking about Star Trek too. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, we
0: are we. we okay, you and I okay. have a have a date to have a, a totally okay. separate conversation about that. <laughs>
2: okay, good, good, good. <laughs> and, and and we'll talk a lot about uh, Bill Shatner.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: I have to call him Bill because I have met him a few times, but I don't know him at all. I mean, or anything. Matter of fact, with, with I just have to say this with William Shatner, people always are very nice. Oh, would you like to come meet William Shatner, et cetera, et cetera? And I always say, nothing could top what I've already experienced with him as a kid, and I've just left it that way because he was yeah. very nice to me. Is is you know, nowadays, yeah like, oh, you know, I don't know, but uh so yeah. we'll, we'll, we we got to talk about William Shatner.
0: For I got to sure. ask
2: I got to ask you though have you seen him at all in the last few years?
0: No, I have not. Okay. The last I'm trying to think if I even saw him cuz I I um was at the Las Vegas 50th anniversary convention that kirstie alley actually um came to and was the only one she's ever done um and most of the cast was there i'm sure bill was there but i didn't see him there because i i mean you want to talk about it's like the secret service move these people around through these events you know (laughs) and they come through side back doors and go straight on stage they're never wandering the halls so um so no the the short answer is no
2: what what would happen if you if you went out there it, it, you know would people uh tend to want autographs immediately or would they want photos or do you think they'd be like huh that guy thinks he's peter preston walking around in costume kind of thing or what would they be doing <laughs> you know you know
0: well it's 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 interesting i you know i i have i, I love conventions first of all let me just get that straight out um they're a great deal of fun it's a chance to interact with the fans talk to people find out the things they like that they remember find out what they want to talk about um and you know everybody's different and those autograph collectors are a very very unique group of people like we all are i mean we have our eccentricities right these things that we love and we do and you can see behind me i've got mickey mouse i got mickey mouse all over here i got mickey mouse all over there Um, so that's my thing, and um, and some people just want a picture with you, you know, some people just want to say hi. Most people want to want an autograph, something they you know, to take with them to show they've had a personal interaction with you. And then there are the ones that that are so into it, they have rolling carts they bring along that have like uh, there are people that I have met that have these rolling carts of pictures that are already signed by people or specific pictures they pull out that they want you to sign. They give you the pen, they want you to sign it with. Um, And some of them even have these big books uh, that have, you know, like, especially with star Trek, you know, all the science fiction movies ever made and, and, and they follow the conventions around to find people from all these different movies and then you have to sign your name against inside the book by your where your printed name is so it's 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 a very it's a very interesting hobby that people spend believe me thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on um but you know it's also at the same time i i like to call it the celebrity mall uh because you you know you've been to them you know what it's like there's tables everywhere right and and there's like all these different celebrities or with the the vegas convention all the star trek people from you know the original episodes from the other shows the spinoffs and all that we're all gathered around and we're sitting we're chit-chatting with each other as people are walking by and they kind of walk by and they look you up and down and they say Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. You were, you were the Peter Preston guy. Yeah. Okay. And then they just move on because they're really not interested (laughs) at all because, because at the same time, everyone's got a budget, right? They come to these things with a certain autographed budget and they can only spend so much. So they make a decision, you know, are, are, are they going to, are they going to, are they going to get the calvin Kleins or the levi's you know what Are what are they what are they going to what are they going to right. buy and it just cracks me up and i love it to death it's really an or amazing
2: or they're just like we have to focus on the 60s series not the future yeah they're
0: completing a collection you know yeah yeah, no, um, exactly. yeah yeah it's uh it's fascinating it's a lot of fun oh,
2: I, I love that i mean uh does does it help i mean getting back to disney though they don't do a lot of promotion or a lot of big things with their great wonderful 60s and 70s um live action movies no that's no No, they don't talking about yeah i've uh, I've
0: never been invited to d23 for anything I, i i think um the the one in this, I don't think this was a Disney sanctioned event, although it was on uh, Disney World property. Um, was a oh gosh, I have a little plaque from it up here. Um, the, the KF, wait a minute, sorry, <laughs> I'm walking away from the camera
2: for a minute. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, the, yeah, the NFFC, the Disney yes, enthusiasts, uh, um, yes. That's nice. Club. Yeah. And they actually had me out. Um, they had me out to to speak. And Dave Smith was actually in the audience. So I got to tell a lovely Dave Smith story and, and, um, and embarrass him a little bit. Um, there he is. Yeah, this is okay. This is a t- total aside. If we run along with the show, I'll just cut this story out, but I think you'll get a kick <laughs> out of it too. I, this is going back a long time when um, the original Ingersoll watches were, were hard to come by, but they were hard to find, okay? okay. Um, okay. And in pre-internet, you couldn't search for these things. Uh, that, that's that's how far back it was. And I was at a, a collectible shop somewhere on Melrose Avenue. Mm. And there, sure enough, was um an original original Mickey Mouse Ingersoll with a leather band it looked like it was in really great condition and it was very expensive and I thought man I really want this watch but I I don't want to just buy it because I don't know I mean is it real is it you know if how do I uh, not authenticate it but do I find out what are the things that I need to look for so I left the store went to a phone booth, pay phone. I called Dave. He answered his phone, thankfully. And I said, okay, what do I look for? And he told me everything. He said, look at the back of the watch, see if there's any scratch marks around it. If the if, the, if it feels like the 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 backside's been removed and replaced, it's probably been repaired. Um, it might not be a hundred percent original. And, and so those are the things you look for. But if it looks all clean, go for it. He said, the price seems to make sense. So I was so darn excited. And he said, you know, have them wind it up, And show you that it functions. And I said, Okay. I didn't even want to touch the watch. That's how nervous I was. So I went back in the store. The guy's showing me the watch. I said, Well, if you don't mind, if you could wind it up just to show me that it works, he said, sure, absolutely. So he winds it up, you know, the little Mickey at the bottom's going around and everything's sounding good. I'm looking at it, it all looks great. And I set it down and I said, Okay, I'm going to buy it. And I pull out my checkbook and I'm I'm literally almost finished writing the check for this thing when the watch goes tick 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 and stopped (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: and i said uh excuse me but the watch just stopped he said oh no it can't it can't and i said yeah it did i I didn't touch it i didn't do anything with it and he said oh my god and he's trying to wind it again and the watch was dead (laughs) and i said i said man i said 60 more seconds and I would have walked out of the store with that watch and I didn't buy it so <laughs> so I told that story at the event and it had just tickled them to death that I even oh, remembered that's,
2: that that's yeah. just...
0: it was incredible <laughs>
2: Did you ever, did you tell the story to Dave though? Dave heard the story? He was in the audience
0: actually when <laughs> I was speaking and I, and when I knew he was there and I said, I have to tell this story. Cause I just, I, I, especially in terms of Disney Anna and collectibles, I just thought, uh, in, you know, the crowd got a big kick out of it. And David was, Dave was very flattered. Um, but yeah.
2: Uh, I so, can tell you Dave's stories. <laughs> you want to you want a dave story of course (laughs) okay i got the uh i love disneyland history love the theme park um that was the highlight just just being able to do anything at disney so uh i would have loved to have been a show designer or something so i don't have the privilege of ever saying oh i put this into disneyland but i can say I took stuff out of Disneyland, so Yeah, <laughs> I got to take Walt's office out, which was the, at that point in the Lincoln building, they had um, the formal office, because the working office, Walt had a formal office, and then the working office was actually where he spent most of his time. Why? Because that's the one that had the bar, they had the Star Trek doors that literally would open. Have you ever seen? I mean, that's all true. Wow. About that with Walt's office. I mean, we're talking, he passed away in 66. So in the early 60s, this this studio executive with the buttons that open up into a bar, and then you open the bar doors and all the bar lights up and it has like GE embossed in the metal inside of Walt's bars, you know, cupboards and these are just details again if somebody said oh they're making all that up it's like no 100 percent. anyway but the I, I getting but that was just how cool the the, the working office's bar was but the formal office where he had the piano i got to take that out uh of, of hmm. the opera house and catalog each and every piece and all this so that was a huge honor for me but I came back to, di- I'd have to drive to Anaheim every day because uh, I live like uh, not too far from Universal Studios. So it's a good commute. But I came back the next day and s- somebody had broken Walt's glass coffee table.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Like the famous, it like was shattered. Uh, and I'm like, oh uh, my, what, uh, I don't know uh, what happened, you know, or what, what you know. So, uh, oh, geez. So next time I was at the studio, it was like either later that evening or whatever. I went to Dave and I said, yeah, Dave, because he, was, he, he wasn't working on this project, but he was the guru of the office. As I said, mm-hmm. Walt's coffee table, I got to Disneyland and, and the top was shattered. He goes, oh, that's okay. They shattered that back in 1970. So it's not even real anyway. And, <laughs> I was just like, oh, my God. So there's a Dave story. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, Well, And one of the things I loved I loved about him so much, and he, um, and I'm sure you know this, but um, he used to like to correct people and say, I'm not really an archivist. I'm actually a librarian. Oh, and he that, would say that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. He, he, that was very important to him because that apparently was what his degree was in and what his profession was before library
2: he, science. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Library science. And, 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 and yep. Yeah, people would say, Oh, you're the archivist. And he says, no, I just had the archives, but I'm actually a librarian. And I just, it just used to, I, I just thought that was very wow. interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, let's make a star Trek. That's very Spock like. of like you know he would be very vulcanish
0: yeah exactly yeah oh my god all right so back to you we (laughs) want to hear we want to hear about the george reeves superman costume for the 50s tv series as well as the christopher reeve movie costume how did how did you how did you acquire those
2: Uh, uh the the george reeves yeah Okay, that one, uh, in a world of just uh, following uh, original memorabilia and all this, uh, George Reeves' costumes always seem to be uh, extremely mysterious uh, because there are so many fakes out there. Hmm. Hmm. And it came to my attention that it was like, how do you ever know which one is because the people that are supposedly the experts you know have been people have said that have made fakes so wow. how do you learn from anything you know i mean it's, it, it's like it's one thing i mean i could tell people about pirates of the caribbean wardrobe why because i was one of the ones that was unboxing it from the production <laughs> setting aside you know so i saw it firsthand. so i could say this is a Johnny Depp coat, because I've seen, you know, or this isn't, you know, that's, that's how you have to start is you have to know, have an example of something or work with somebody who worked on it. But with the George Reeves, it was always, I don't know. You can't trust anything. The one that I ended up getting turns out it was in the hands of the special effects technician and never was let out of his possession. Hmm.
1: So Ah. that was
2: the one when that thing became available for me, I was like, I got to get that one because that way we'll know this is how they should look. It's never been out of this guy's possession. So nothing's been changed. Nothing's been altered. And that's really important for an archivist like myself to see something as close to the original way, you know, it was. Um, that gets into a whole other issue. Sometimes things get restored, but... Um, I'm actually not a big fan of restoration cosmetically anymore. To mm. you know, I used to be one like, oh, make it look good. And it's like now it's like, leave it, you know, let it yeah. look beat up and as you know, I mean, stabilize it so it doesn't tear itself apart with its, but you know what I mean? But let it look beat up and stuff. Anyway, that I went off on a tangent there, but anyway, but yeah uh so that so that george reeves uh he was unmessed with so very very lucky to be the caretaker of that at this point point. and now we can say this is what they should look like
1: we we did have on uh laurie jacobson a hollywood historian to it so she says there's no doubt in her mind that he was murdered is that what you think also
2: Oh, I, I think when you look into that, there are just so many things that leads to that over the other way. It's I don't know. Have you, Ike? Have you guys gone down that rabbit hole, Jonathan? Have you actually? I have.
1: I've been. Yeah. I mean, to me, the same thing. There's no doubt that he's murdered. I mean, that's. I, I mean,
2: yeah. Ike, do you know the backstory of that? I,
0: uh, I really don't. I, I'm not. I, yeah. I,
2: I, let me get. Basically, his George's <laughs> mistress. Uh her husband was um I'm having a brain crash, uh uh the fixer, Eddie Eddie Mannix. Eddie Mannix works for Metro Goldwyn Mayor his whole career. When there was a problem of any sorts, labor disputes or actors not behaving, Eddie Mannix was the person you would call he was the fixer. And they said that, you know, so when you have a husband that's the fixer and you're the mistress, when you break up with the mistress and break her heart, I think George Reeve got fixed. That's sort of what is Jonathan. Mm, yeah do you think
1: that's fair? I would say that yes.
2: <laughs> yeah, reader's digest version. Yeah. So yes, that's why they say they think George Reeves was murdered versus suicide.
0: Uh yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, let's I, talk about your. Oh, sorry. Jonathan, go ahead. Go go ahead. ahead.
1: Go, go, go ahead.
0: Yeah. No, I was just going to say it's your Star grim, Trek.
2: Su- it's a grim subject, I know. You know, but I. Yeah. yeah, yeah it is you, grim. You know. Yeah, I feel
0: like I should break out into song now, but I'm <laughs> not going to do that. But uh, talking about Star Trek, you, you've you've got many of the uh, costumes from the original series. It, How did you come yeah, by those?
2: Yeah, those were. Um, I mean, um, yeah, I sort of tracked down where they went to. Uh, Paramount sold uh, a good portion of their collection to another costume company, and that costume company was all this old sci-fi stuff doesn't rent. Let's let's get rid of it, you know. And it was a conglomeration, not just of Paramount but also of Universal uh, sci-fi stuff. So I was able to go in and uh, initially I actually bought a huge collection of the Universal stuff which is, which is how I was able to save a lot of that stuff. And then there were Star Mm. Trek costumes that were in there mixed Mm. in. And I was like, aha, Mm. I think this place also had Star Trek. And then later we were able to go in and get that stuff from the rental place. And most of it was the Star Trek stuff. Uh, There was also Mark and Mindy and Happy Days, but, uh, no, no, I didn't keep any of that stuff. <laughs> I had to, I had to focus on Star Trek. <laughs> you, you know, I was, I was given sort of the, you know, when the guy found the Tutankhamen stash, you know, that was sort of like how I would compare it with Star Trek for me. So. Was, uh-huh. I feel like, yeah, I've got this honor of finding it. And then I've added pieces to it since to try oh. to, Make it a well rounded representation I've also traded pieces away that I had because I had a lot of the guest stars and stuff like that, so i I had traded a few of those over the year to get some like of the star trek you know un you, you know like the Starfleet uniforms because those were not in the collection that I had discovered It was mm-hmm. literally like everything except the Starfleet uniforms, which is explain which is goes back to my criticism my criticism of you know studios they don't know anything let's get rid of the star trek stuff well that show's popular well save the good stuff and if they save the good stuff it's saving the uniforms right. but all the female costuming and all that that's all where the art came in you know not that the you know what i mean and that's why there sure. was an example bill tice's female collect female pieces that, that was at the smithsonian institute in the early 90s so anyway that was most of the stuff that was discarded, you know, or we oh. don't need this We're sold off
1: you know? on the same subject of, of, you know, trading stuff away. That's one of the things that I've been curious about is have you been ever contacted like by families of the people that, you know, from the show, like, Hey, would you sell some of this? Like, this is like sentimental value to me. Would you sell something like, you know, like my dad wore my mom or whatever like. Yeah, you know, not so
2: much with me. There are people that I, when I first got into this uh, or became aware that, you know, very naive. I was in film school and I got to go to Universal or might have been working on a Universal project. Uh, And I was like, oh, can I see some of the the costumes from this show or that show? And they'd be like, we don't keep that stuff. You know what I mean? I'd be like, wait, what? You Mm -hmm. know, and then you started learning like, oh, it's there isn't just, you just assume this stuff is like, everything's precious, but that's not the case. It's impossible for studios to keep everything. Right. So, you know, so from there um, I kind of got into it. And at that time uh, other people I knew that, that that I know better now who are a lot more savvy than me were that had made a name. They got contacted a lot more by, the 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 families of at that time nowadays everybody knows the auction companies everybody has the internet so it's easier for those people to go direct to the auction company so people like myself at least i don't really get approached to too often if i if i get anything i have to go and find it hmm. and you know what i mean like and I, I've had lots of stories so like people,
1: that. People do hire you to procure items for them? Well, oh,
2: i not really. Well, I, they have, but I learned later that it's like it never, I might as well just procure them for myself. And so, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? But unfortunately for me, <laughs> I don't have a great big interest in the money part of it. So I only really looked for things that, from movies or TV shows that meant something to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. Uh, well to um,
0: me that's always been the heart of collecting I- anyway yeah. you know i mean that's that's really what it what it's about but
2: i mean the mini Winnie was out because i love that movie <laughs> and they were working on the race to which mountain and i was like we should bring it out here there'll probably be opportunities and that's how i met you i mean so if nothing uh, else was... that's the magic of <laughs> these pieces i feel in a way give back because they all have their, their own a little bit of energy to them i mm-hmm some people may not believe that, but when you do really see the costume or the mini winnie, as we saw that, I mean, there's a vibe to it, you know, They're, yeah. they're you just tell they're, that they're what we see on these beloved movies and television shows that, you know, so many of us cherish, you know, Well,
0: no, it's Mad- also, it, it, Mad- it's a, hand, you know, it's a handmade um, model and, and, the, 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 that has always fascinated me about movies and, and tv shows the props and the the things that they're making for them and of course now with the pro, massive proliferation of sci-fi and a mm-hmm. lot of it's digital but they're still building you know actual physical models for for a lot of things i just that stuff just uh i just i just eat it up so through through all of this you've you've kind of become uh like the go-to guy on shows like Pawn Stars and Collector's Call, and you mentioned auction houses. How did yeah. that start?
2: Well, the auction houses, you know, I started just getting to know because every now and then they would get something that would be something I'm not really one for buying at the auctions. I mean, the budget, you have to have a big budget for that. Um, uh, so once something gets to the auction, it's not really something that I'm going for myself because I feel like it's going to be purchased and then it's going to be taken care of. And then that's the most important thing. So, so, but if I, but I got to know, sometimes you want to go see a piece in person and you get to know everybody and then they start, it's a small community really, I guess, that that of the people that sort of deal with this stuff and uh, on the authentication. And, uh, you know, some of the guys that were, Up, you know, I met in the 2000s that were just into this are now like CEOs of major auction companies. (laughs) So I mean, you know, so and then you, it's just if you stay, you just stay in touch with these guys, and they'll call you and be like, "Hey, you know, what do you think of this?" You know, and I'm like, "Oh yeah." And then it's like whether you're getting paid to 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 consult or or not, you'd be having the same conversation with these people, which is the funny (laughs) thing.
1: I, I do want to uh, i do want to ask before we do let you go after i know you have the camera from the universal films i'm yeah. such a fan of the, the monster the universal monster yeah. do you have any props from the monster movies itself or the oh movies? no
2: no see those things are uh, uh are so those were identified and cherished artifacts of hollywood history uh far before i was even born wow. so people like forrest ackerman if you've ever heard the name or mm-hmm. bob burns have those early items and it what exists because a lot of those uh monster movie items are made of foam you know mm-hmm. and they, even the 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 wolfman cane the head that he you know that Von huh. chaney jr beats the guy you know I mean, that exists, but it's a foam casting of it. So it's probably like a big crouton right now. You don't want to put any pressure on it. It would explode. But most of those monster movie things either don't exist or what do exist or probably those guys. And now I know Kurt Hammett, if I said it correctly, the guitarist from Metallica. I know I've never met him, but I know he's a huge collector of horror. And has really put together a, a wonderful archive of that. So, there are people that are continuing on the horror legacy. I know I'm not a big horror guy. I like the mon- the classic monsters, but sure. that's a whole other genre.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God
2: bless those collectors, but you know it's it's not my my focus.
1: Well, you're involved in so many projects. What what are you personally working on next? Mm.
2: Well, I got, I got the, uh, the, the project that I shouldn't probably say anything, but I know Ike is agreed to participate <laughs> in. Uh, thank you very much. I can't wait. Uh, so we can, we it taste It will that. be fun. Yes. And, and, uh, also, um, a couple books at Croft, which is, you know, um, even though we're going to go to work at Croft, it's like beyond, um, whatever we're doing there, I'm, taken on for two croft books so one will be the like the visual history of the company which i'm so excited about Mm -hmm. because there's nothing been out like that and they have a wonderful photo archive probably the one thing that is intact and that's one thing i'm still so excited to get out there because i mean the photos are like the career they've had is amazing so it'll be shots from the early puppet shows and then all the photography from their TV shows that has never been seen. I mean, they, they shot stuff. They just never used it because it's a TV show. They Mm -hmm. haven't had a publication, maybe one or two shots for like a a sticker book or a coloring book. But, you know, so that that's, those are my, the the two things I'm uh, really looking forward to. The, the, the Ike involved, (laughs) <laughs> Secret project, and then the which is outside of Croft, and then the Croft visual history book. So,
1: we've well, yeah. we, we had so many questions, Yeah, Don't keep. So, we'd love to have you back when that book comes out. We'd love to have you back too. But this really scratched the surface of the questions that we had for you. So,
2: I, I haven't asked. I, I also I wanted to ask uh, Ike tons more stuff. So we'll have to do this again sometime.
1: Absolutely.
2: Uh, <laughs> you, you know who uh, Ike? You should speak to. Uh, if you're up for it, is Harrison Allenshaw. Oh, uh, yes. Are you familiar with Harrison? I,
1: yes, I, I have. I'm I have. not. Yes, I okay. Did.
2: Harrison is the son of Peter Allenshaw, who was the Matt painter that. Um, Mary
1: Poppins, for one. Yeah,
2: well, yeah, he was brought over by Walt to do uh, like 20,000 Leagues Under the yeah. Sea and all that. Anyway, so he won the Academy Award for Mary Poppins. Harrison followed in uh his dad's footsteps and was also the matte painter on star wars and stuff like that oh wow as well as, as, well as all the early disney movies pete's dragon and you guys share a connection he's the guy that was behind the visuals for the opening sequence for race to which uh, escape to which mountain there's ah the, okay beautiful credits of you guys yeah so that's harrison's work there oh my
0: god that would yeah. be so great because i, I had yeah. somebody recently ask me um on facebook i think it was whether or not and i thought this was very sort of amazing that someone would even ask this if those the rotoscope sequences were actually kim and i and because i know kim and i so well i have watched the movie so many times and <laughs> and writing my memoir i had to watch it so many times i can see that a couple of the shots are kim and i but i think there are some in there that are not kim and i and i would be very curious about how that whole opening sequence came together that would well, be fantastic to learn about
2: he's great and you know he um has had such a wonderful career he was the uh visual effects supervisor for superman 4 i know a lot of people don't like that movie as as much as the other ones and harrison will be the first to make fun of it but i mean (laughs) the fact is just being there on a a, working on a christopher reeve super yes superman is harrison's got great stories from that shit
1: I, yeah, I have an no Ellen Shaw hanging on my wall. Actually, I have an no Ellen Shaw Mary Poppins thing on my wall. Oh, oh
2: yeah, oh yeah, and <laughs> he, you know, he he loved his dad, and and uh, um, always happy to talk about the great Peter Ellen Shaw. Uh, but yeah, he he'd be perfect for you guys, and uh, so yeah, I'll put you guys in touch. Oh, um, would, we would we would
0: love yeah. that and appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, that would be yeah, fantastic. Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, um, cool. well, um, well, hey. Thank you for having me. Oh, thanks for doing this. This was
1: fantastic. Thank you. Well, um, I'm, I'm Jonathan Rosen, and along with Ike Eisman, this has been Pop Culture Retro. And again, a very special thanks to Rob Klein. And please, subscribe. Thank you for listening to
0: Pop Culture Retro, where no one was hurt during the making of this podcast.